Hey friends, as a church leader, you know that your ability to execute your vision comes down to staffing, facilities, and programming. All three of those things are fueled by one thing. That is generosity. Generosity is the fuel that drives your ministry engine. We are always trying to learn how to grow and create cultures of generosity that help fuel the vision. I want to introduce you to my friends over at The Giving Church, a brand new sponsor here at Unseminary, and they really do want to help. I love these guys, and you should lean in with them. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary for a free PDF. It's five ways to grow your church giving. The Giving Church, led by generosity coach, founder, and just amazing guy, Phil Ling, has worked with nearly a thousand churches of all sizes, including the size of your church in 40 different denominations and raised over a billion dollars to fuel incredible ministry. Don't run out of fuel for your ministry. Visit thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today for your free PDF, five ways to grow your church giving. Again, that's thegivingchurch.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to... The Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Super excited for today's conversation. Uh, this is going to be a great one with my friend Mike Mental. He is the CEO of an organization called Living Water International. If you don't know Living Water, uh, they're a faith-based global humanitarian organization, and they link arms with churches around the world to serve thirsty communities through access to safe drinking water, sanitation, and hygiene. Uh, you know, they really are an incredible organization. I've had a chance to travel abroad with them, and uh, Mike's a great guy. We've had a chance to interact over the years. Uh, prior to his time at LWI, he spent 17 years working for a little organization called World Vision. You maybe have heard of them, and nine years in the marketplace. Uh, he's also authored a re- recently authored a book that we're going to get a chance to talk about today. But Mike, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Rich, what a delight. Thanks for inviting me on the show, and it was great to see you a couple weeks ago at the uh, XP conference. Yeah, that was such a fun time. We were down there. Uh, it was yeah, such a good time. Uh, XPS. It was so good. Uh, glad to glad to hang out a little bit there too. Why don't we? Why don't you kind of fill in the picture there? Either your picture or you know, Living Water International. What did I miss? Kind of bring us up to speed. Well, Living Water International has been around for thirty three years. Mm. Um, the impact that the Lord has made through uh, Living Water and the Church has been significant. Um, we believe that about 7.3 million people are drinking safe water today, have wow. experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, we're currently working in 18 countries. We have about 340 staff, most of which are national staff leading the countries in which they serve. And we got a global team uh, in the United States uh, centered in Houston, Texas, but we got folks around the country. Yeah, it's so so cool. This is a this is a fantastic organization, and like I said, I had a chance to travel 
uh, on a number of times actually to some some living water projects. And I remember years ago, you, like one of the things you talk about it, and we want to really dive into that today is this idea of linking arms with churches, having churches, you know, linking arms with uh, existing churches. And I remember I was on the field, we were in Haiti, and I was speaking to one of those national workers, and uh, and it was like a dawning moment, and you know, this idea, this epiphany that struck me. Uh, they were talking about we were in a very poor community, um, an open. Uh, open sewers, which is a you know a polite way to say feces in the streets. Um, you know this is a tough community, um, and it, probably the poorest community, one of the poorest communities I'd ever been in. And I remember this worker. We were talking about you know just even the strategy of how Living Water does what you do, and they said something that really struck me. They said, you know, if you look around here, there's no one else here. The government is not here. You know, there's there's no other infrastructure here. There's no businesses here. Uh, the only people, the only kind of organization that's here is the local church. And so obviously you want to work with the local church because you're a Christian organization. But even if that wasn't your aim, man, that that is such a, they're, they're such a strategically important organ, uh, organization to work with. I'd love to unpack that. Help me understand how does and how has LWI work with churches uh, on, the, on the field in the 18 countries that you're currently serving in? Well, it's been an evolution for us. When we started, uh, like most startup ministries, uh, the organization of Living Water wanted to help people access water in the name of Jesus. It was a, mm-hmm. it was a, a group of drillers, construction guys, church leaders, and they, they wanted to drill a water well wherever they could acquire a, a few resources, some mm-hmm. volunteers, some drilling equipment, and then move on to the next place where people desperately needed water. But over the years, we discovered that Mm -hmm. the Church of Jesus Christ at that local level uh, preceded us. Mm. They they were active, engaged in their communities. They they had networks of volunteers. They had a vision to love the the thirsty, to love the Mm -hmm. hungry. Um, They were honorable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they would be there after we left. And so right, we began to right. say, wow, you know, the church as an institution, it's more like a, a, a network of mm-hmm. uh, bodies of believers. That church mm-hmm. proceeds, engages, and then succeeds us as, as we moved. And mm-hmm. then we said, you know, we, what we really need to do as an organization is commit long term to a mm-hmm. broader geographical area. And let's discover who's in that footprint. You know, we discovered mm-hmm. churches, we discovered municipal leaders, we discovered mm-hmm. other nonprofits, but mm-hmm. always at the center of this work was the church. And we said, let's just invite all the churches mm-hmm. to link arms and engage with each other and become mm-hmm. visible and become mm-hmm. relevant to address mm-hmm. a basic need of that community. Mm-hmm. And the church showed up. It began mm-hmm. to amazing organize its brothers and sisters and other churches. It began to link with community leaders. It, 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 it went to training uh, uh, sessions to learn about church envisioning. Uh, mm. How do you communicate the gospel through simple stories? What sanitation and hygiene are all about and what's their roots in the gospels and in the mm. Bible as a whole? And, and so the church became central. And so fast forward, in the last 10 years of our existence, we mm-hmm. identify and work through 
the collective body of Christ in that mm-hmm. local community, which is really a, a complex institution. It's it's multi-denominational. It's multi-ethic. There's multi-languages engaged. But what mm-hmm. holds us together is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And then we equip that church to mm-hmm. be the salt and light with the most fundamental intervention in human development, which is mm-hmm. water. And mm-hmm. so living water, the physical and the spiritual living water together is what the church is now able to bring as a, as a unit within these mm-hmm. low-income communities. It's absolutely amazing what the church is doing around the world. Yeah, it's incredible on the ground to see, you know, like you'll be in a village and, um, you know, you've partnered, there's been a bunch of work that's been done there. And, you know, when you think about it at that level, here's a community that that hasn't had access to clean drinking water. They they maybe ha- they haven't had a, you know, sanitation and hygiene program running there. And the church takes the lead on that. Man, what a powerful witness in that local community. Like, man, what a, they become even more so the center of the community, maybe kind of talk about it at that level. Like what, what kind of impact does that make, uh, you know, to that church, to the community, you know, when the church is in the middle of this and why is that better than maybe, I don't know, like a business running it or somebody else alternatives to the church running it? Well, for the, the community, um, they see their aunts and uncles and cousins, their neighbors at Mm -hmm. the center of the decision-making where mm-hmm. will this water uh, uh, access point be drilled? Mm-hmm. How is the education training uh, delivered? Who represents the community you know, within a broader dialogue with the municipal leaders, with other NGOs? The, the church just becomes visible. Mm-hmm. And in many places in the world, our churches... Um, often see their role as inviting people to follow Christ, but to remain distinct from the world. You know, that Mm, mm -hmm. we're all working our way towards heaven, but, you know, let's not roll up our sleeves together and address the issues in the world. (laughs) Okay, sure. But but what happens when the church embraces that Mm -hmm. water produces Mm -hmm. health, Mm -hmm. healthy kids are in school, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Educated kids can begin to develop their economies. When the church provides those resources, that encouragement, people become attracted to the church. And so it's it's the action and love of Jesus Christ that helps that church grow. So a church that was on maybe the outskirts of a social community now moves to the center of that social mm, security. So good. And by meeting the most basic needs in that community, then the church becomes attractive mm-hmm. and relationships can develop, conversations can be had, and that's where uh, life comes and that, that church begins to grow. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And you know, to see that on the ground, is just it's amazing. It's amazing to see that uh, roll out. Now, when you're thinking about there's this idea of churches partnering together in a region, you know, in a community. Can you talk to me about what that looks like, you know, in the countries that you're working in? And I'd love to talk about it on a state side as well, but let's start with, you know, in the countries that you're working in, how, how are they working together? What is that? I kind of understand it at one level, like in a, a particular community, but what does that look like across say a region? So 
we start with a, a country definition. So we work in the 18 countries you mentioned in Latin mm-hmm. America, the Caribbean, in Africa, and in South Asia. Mm-hmm. Within that country, we identify something we call a WASH program area. And WASH is an mm-hmm. acronym, Water Access mm-hmm. Sanitation Hygiene, a WASH program area, which is about mm-hmm. 50 to 100,000 people, 50 to 100 kilometers across. It's, it's the lowest income, most needy environments. And we commit to stay in that footprint for five to seven years. We go in mm-hmm. and we do a baseline analysis. Who's in this footprint? How many churches? How are they engaging? Uh, what's the water access? How healthy are people? What are their hygiene and sanitation practices? Mm-hmm. And then we systematically organize and invest in that footprint for five to seven years so that everyone has water all practices around sanitation and hygiene have been transformed. Kids are healthy. And then the church begins to uh, be more visible and engaged. So it's really how is the church perceived in its community? So then Mm -hmm. what does that look like is we start now with uh, uh, what we call the uh, Genius of One uh, conference. And uh, that's usually coordinated by a national association of, let's say, evangelicals in Zimbabwe with Mm -hmm. the great talent from uh, the Crossing Church in St. Louis. And Mm. actually, we've had 25 of these Genius of One conferences where uh, Greg and his team Mm -hmm. uh, engage with uh, our team and the evangelical networks and Mm -hmm. We put on a two and a half day conference and we invite all the churches at the mm-hmm. local level, the district level and the national level. And usually we get about 200 to maybe a thousand churches mm-hmm. that come together. Wow. And it's and it's a powerful uh, invitation to uh, uh, link arms across the lines that divide us mm-hmm. Our our racial lines, our economic lines, our urban, rural lines, our tribal lines, denominational lines. And let's begin to think about um, the prayer that Jesus Mm -hmm. made right before his uh, arrest and crucifixion, that we might be one. Mm -hmm. So that that, unified, love it. So that Jesus becomes visible. And so there's, Mm -hmm. he, uh, Greg and his team and, and local moderators do this powerful uh, uh, presentation on the unity of the body of Christ. Nobody has to mm-hmm. give up their tribal um, distinctions or their denominational mm-hmm. traditions, but they, they can begin to see that mm-hmm. uh, Christ is calling us to be unified. Secondly, we talk about reconciliation and uh, forgiveness, mm-hmm. really forgiveness and reconciliation. We talk mm-hmm. about the poison of gossip, and there, there's a number of mm-hmm. fantastic uh, sessions where mm-hmm. pastors who many don't know each other, many don't trust right. each other, begin to talk about the things that are most important to them at, at, from a scriptural basis. Mm-hmm. Every time, you know, we across 14 countries, I think we've been in front of maybe 3,700 pastors. Every time mm-hmm. the Spirit of the Lord moves, people mm-hmm. are re- Penting across the aisles, and they begin to get a vision for what they might do together. Hmm. Because one thing we learned is that churches of different traditions and perspectives have a difficult time 
being together mm. unless they're working together. And if they're oh, working good. together in a community that desperately needs, in our case, water, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a place in which they can intersect. Mm-hmm. Because they can agree on that. Hey, this is an issue we all know in our community, in this particular wash area, using your definition, hey, this is, man, if we could get th- this to people in our communities, the whole community would be better. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. So no, nobody needs to change their perspectives. They just say, mm-hmm. as followers of Jesus Christ, let's work together. Mm-hmm. And and so once an agreement is made, yeah, let's consider this. And then we invite mm-hmm. pastors to uh, an envisioning workshop. What mm-hmm. might that look like from a water sanitation hygiene perspective? Mm-hmm. And does that resonate with you? Mm-hmm. And it, uh, does it resonate with you as a collective around this table? Mm-hmm. And if so, let's organize. Let's create right. some uh, additional training sessions. Let's go a little bit mm-hmm. deeper in how your church might engage with others in training, sanitation mm-hmm. and hygiene, or mm-hmm. sharing the gospel through oral discipling means, Bible story, and or mm-hmm. or what it might look like uh, to continue to uh, maintain this water point. Because mm-hmm. once you drill a water point, but for the ownership within that community, a supply chain to that community, Mm -hmm. local repair uh, possibilities linked to that Mm -hmm. community, and uh, ongoing resources to to support that project. Unless there's an enabling environment, Mm -hmm. that water project will not continue. Right. When the water project continues, there's a platform for the Mm -hmm. church to continue to engage across our lines that divide us and become visible within the communities. The result is the church grows. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I I love this. So friends, if you don't know, water is kind of the foundational developmental, you know, step. Like you can't, it's the thing, if a community doesn't have access to clean drinking water, it's very difficult, if I understand correctly, it's very difficult to move on to anything else, education, you know, whatever other things you you might be interested in. So that's why it's so critically important. I love this focus of, you know, sustainability. I love even the history. You kind of hinted to this, like when LWI started, it was very, at least this is my impression, this of the stories I've heard of the early days, it was like, you know, a bunch of entrepreneurial type guys from Texas. Hey, let's, let's buy a rig and go somewhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> punch a bunch of holes in the earth. But, but if there's, if there's nothing, the only thing worse than not having access to drink, clean drinking water in a community is having access to clean drinking water and then having it go away. You know, that it was, we had it for a season, but we weren't able to sustain it. And I love your focus on long-term, the like, hey, we're going to try to do this over, you know, many years, but then we're going to back out. And it ultimately, you know, the communities are going to have to take care of it. Do you have an example of one of the WASH programs that has kind of gone through its entire cycle that, you know, you've been able to step out of that you could kind of talk us through what that looks like? Absolutely. And, and you really understand this process, Rich. And it's, it's true that uh, the intervention starts long before the water well yep. is drilled or the pipes are, are connected to a spring long before in building ownership uh, in organizing uh, teams, in uh, envisioning what the community might do together long before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, long after, you know, uh, unless we're committed to space and partnering with the institution that remains, the church, mm-hmm. 
It's mm-hmm. impossible to right. produce health long term because yep. healthy water allows kids mm-hmm. to be healthy, to stay in school and develop their economy. So unless that happens, um, uh, the water well will break in the first nine months. There'll be a major mm-hmm. intervention that's required in the first two years. Okay. Um, and if, if people don't have access uh, to those resources, human resources, you're right, uh, they'll lose their water source. Right. right. Secondly, is if they only have one clean water source, let's say at school, mm-hmm. but they don't have one at home or at the hospital, mm-hmm. health doesn't accrue. You, mm. you, you need to have water across that community, safe water right. across that community. And if someone has clean water and they don't wash their hands or segment human waste, it, it, health still doesn't mm-hmm. accrue. But to mm-hmm. get to your question, we've now uh, engaged in about 18 of these wash program areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a flyer 10 years ago. We said, mm-hmm. how do we sustain this work and how do we engage with the church and how do we really mm-hmm. see results? And we, mm-hmm. we thought about this wash program area and, and a mm-hmm. significant uh uh, supporter, a uh, Christian mm-hmm. family said, we'll back you on this. Let's see if it works. And nice. so we, we did our first one in Uganda. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's been about 12 years ago. We did a second one in another location in Uganda. And then we did a, mm-hmm. uh, a new set in Zambia. And then we crossed the pond back to Nicaragua. And now mm-hmm. we're about 65% of all of our work is in a wash program area. And so Love there's it. a, there's, a half a dozen that have mm-hmm. been uh, completed where <laughs> we, we, we go in and that baseline study might say, you know, there's a 36% access to safe water. Maybe mm-hmm. 20% of the people are using appropriate sanitation and hygiene. The church mm-hmm. is really not engaged uh, physically, but it's somewhat engaged spiritually to five to seven years later, hundred mm-hmm. percent access to safe water. Or, wow. Let's wow. just say eighty-five to ninety-five yes, percent yeah. access. Yes, to safe water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, nearly a hundred percent hygiene uh, practices transformed, and the church is perceived as being an active player in the health and vitality of that community, and is growing. And so, uh, there are many examples. It, it, it's a big yeah, it's investment. Incredible. Big yes. investment. Right. And that's why you have a job. That's job security for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to help and, you know, motivate that. You know, when we first got, when I first got um, connected with uh, Living Water, it was when I was at Liquid Church in New Jersey. Fantastic church. Love, love Liquid. I'm not there anymore, but just, you know, love their mission. And, you know, I saw it from my side as a, as a pastor in a local church, you know, stateside, where this is a very understandable problem. Like there is not... Um, it, you can explain it. It's clear. It's, it's not, um, and it's not really debatable. Like it's a very open thing to talk about as a church. Like, you know, people aren't going to disagree with, Hey, we want to help people on the other side of the world or, you know, on our side of the world, uh, get access to clean drinking water. And I saw time and again, I saw our people get engaged. You know, they were like, wow, they just got fired up. I know that continues to be the case, you know, at, uh, at liquid, but let's talk about that. You know, on the the state side, how how do you engage with churches? You mentioned, uh, Greg. You know, are there? What does that look like? How how are churches kind of saying, "Yeah, we want to be a part of this"? What's that look like uh, here? Rich, again, there there's there's an evolution. Um, when we started, we asked 
churches and members of churches to help fund a water well mm -hmm. and bring life in the name of Jesus to a thirsty community. It was a, it was mm -hmm. a funding relationship. Mm -hmm. Over the years, what became clearer and clearer is that uh, by engaging in important global issues, that the the donor becomes an advocate. The don mm -hmm. the advocate becomes a disciple. Mm -hmm. And what our our mind began to shift a little bit from helping Living Water fund a project to mm -hmm. introducing churches in the United States to what churches around the world are accomplishing through WASH and mm -hmm. join what God is doing globally. So it, it, it kind of shifted from help Living Water with some money so that we mm -hmm. might uh, change the world to mm -hmm. the church is changing the world. Help. Right. Let's work together to introduce the body to the body. Mm, so, love it. That's so beautiful. Th that's what we're doing. So like mm -hmm. in these WASH program areas, we're organizing at the, at the community level, aligning strategy with church denominational bodies at the district and national level. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to introduce the church in the United States to what that church is doing. And mm -hmm. we're, we're doing that through uh, three uh, pillars mm -hmm. over the course of three years. So we're saying, all right, my dear friends at Liquid or Crossing mm -hmm. or Grace Presbyterian mm -hmm. Church, mm -hmm. your church body is involved in building disciples at home and pursuing the Great Commission at home and abroad. Let's join in what God is doing. And let's do so by growing in our knowledge, mm -hmm. expanding our experience, in co-investing for impact. Mm, love it. Going back to your first point, uh, growing in knowledge, uh, yeah, I, I used to work with a colleague, uh, Bob at, at World Vision. He said, if people knew better, they do better. Mm. The, the, <laughs> fact, <laughs> the fact is, few people know that right. 771 million people are drinking out of puddles mm -hmm. and that they'll never get healthy. And that 2 billion people don't have uh, an ongoing source to safe water. People just don't know. Mm. And they don't know mm. about the multiplier effect that if, if, if people had safe water consistently and sustainably, that mm -hmm. they'd get healthy. They would, mm -hmm. Their kids would have a chance to learn and develop their communities. We call that the multiplier mm -hmm. effect. People don't know that. Mm -hmm. And when the church is at the center of that intervention, the church is able to evangelize and disciple in ways that they'd never imagined possible. People don't mm -hmm. know. So what we mm -hmm. want to do is, is grow in our knowledge together through uh, uh, introductions and resources on the water crisis, the solvability mm -hmm. of the water crisis, mm -hmm. the interplay mm -hmm. of water and sanitation, and the role of the church. Let's grow in knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then the second is expand our experience together. Uh, everybody I know that's an activist in the world mm -hmm. has crossed some dividing line. Uh, mm. Geographical dividing line, we call that a mission trip. A, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, a racial dividing line, an economic dividing line, uh, some philosophical dividing line. Because when we move outside of our comfort zone, somehow we're more open 
to God's whispers. We're more mm, open to reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to go back into the buzz of every day, but when, when we're on the other side of that line, we're a little mm-hmm. bit more open. Mm-hmm. And so all activists, all tremendous leaders that I've met have had that experience, many of which are uh, going. Mm. Some mm-hmm. of it is organizing. So gr- expanding our experience, we, we do water walks together. We do, you know, uh, um, uh, um, uh, marathons and mountain climbing together. We do vacation Bible school together. Um, mm-hmm. We take trips together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we do take trips to uh, implement a project, to drill a water well, mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. put in a pipe system, to teach sanitation and hygiene but it's really a part of the discipling experience for the goer. It's an opening up of the heart and the mind of the goer. And then you can't shake it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the newspaper Mm -hmm. comes alive. You're, you're talking about it with your spouse. You're praying Mm -hmm. about, you know, what you've learned Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sooner or later, sooner or later, you're going to move more deeply into that discipleship journey, but, but it's because of experience. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Third pillar is is co-investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind space, time, and money. When mm-hmm. we start investing around mm-hmm. uh, 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 ministries that are making a difference, that change mm-hmm. both the physical and spiritual uh, reality of, of people, mm-hmm. the more we invest, the more we learn, the more mm-hmm. we want to experience. The more we learn and experience, mm-hmm. the more we want to invest. Yeah. We tell our yeah. friends, Let's let's get engaged. Let's, and and so we, we see those three pillars as mm-hmm. a way for churches in the United States to perhaps structure a component of their mm-hmm. discipleship program, their missions mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. And and don't be in a hurry. You know, yes. let's just learn together. <laughs> let's experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. It. I and, love it. And I'm beginning to see what, what's been fun these last nine months is, you know, you're talking to pastors, lead pastors, executive pastors. And they say, well, how do we, how do we start? Mm-hmm. Say, well, if you got a missions program, where's your map? Let's look at the map. Mm-hmm. And then let's take Living Waters map and put it right over the top. And mm-hmm. maybe there's a geographical intersection. Yeah. Overlap. Yep. When there's an overlap, we can align resources. Um, mm-hmm. And then let's grow in knowledge. Let's expand our experience. Let's co-invest. And, mm-hmm. and a part of that is let's go. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming out of COVID, everybody was frozen, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people change their jobs. There's a lot of new people in new new position, but we're all frozen. Yeah. And we want to get back on mission. We want to get back engaged with people. We want to, mm-hmm. you know, be in the same room. We want to mm-hmm. adventure. We want to travel. Mm-hmm. And, but it's hard to get over that lump, uh, that hump. So I'm just saying, mm-hmm. let's just go. Right. <laughs> nice. Love it. Love go. it. So good. Well, and I, yeah, I've had a privilege of being on a number of LWI trips over the years in a number of countries. And one of the things I appreciate about the on the ground experience, and it's been years since I've been on one, but you know, I, I know there are folks and I have been one of those in the past that are like, I would say skeptical of the kind of mission trip experience. Let's take 12 Americans and go somewhere. Like, are we really making a difference? Like what's that actually look like? Um, but the thing I love about uh, an LWI experience is you're getting a chance to see right up close a 
you know, a wash program in action. You're getting a chance to see a, a, a well being drilled and you're, you know, you're a part of that experience. Um, and at the end of that, you're changed because you've been up close. You've seen these leaders. You've seen the church doing its good. You've kicked a football or a soccer ball around with kids. Um, and your heart has been changed. One of the trips I was on, we, um, you know, our, our well was not going well. It was a tough week and it was not happening. And ironically that that's the one that bubbles to the top of my mind. And, you know, we made a decision as a group. It was like, well, we could, you know, a lot of these trips, there's always like the fun day we go and do something, you know, kind of enjoy the culture, I think cultural day or whatever. And so we made the decision, Hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay here. And you know, the, the, the dynamic shifted from us doing a lot of work to like the experts, the people that actually know what they're doing, but man, we were praying and we were, you know, and to see that actually, to see us actually complete that project was amazing. It was incredible, transformational. Um, and man, I'd love more people to have that kind of experience. That's a hard thing to, uh, you know, to to shake. It, it just gets inside of you. The other thing I love from a, a pastor's point of view, or from a leader's point of view, is this is an exciting issue to be a part of because we're seeing progress. Like there is actual progress happening on you know, this issue, when we first started talking about this, we used to always say 1.1 billion people don't have access. Now it's like you said, 771 million. That's, that's incredible to see, um, which there are lots of issues that don't have that. Now I know the next, you know, the next 250 million are going to be harder and the 250 million after that and the 250 million after that are going to be even harder. But, but man, what a, what an exciting time for churches to get uh, involved. When you think about, now you wrote a book, actually, I want to talk about this uh, because I think a, a practical way on that first kind of getting exposure to this could be church leaders to pick up this. It's called Thirsting for Living Water, Finding Adventure and Purpose in God's Redemptive Story. Uh, talk me through why you wrote this book. This is a lot of work. You've got lots of other things to do. Uh, you're a busy person. Uh, why did you you know, pull this this resource together for church leaders? Well, you and all of those that write stuff know that it is a heavy lift. And mm -hmm. why I initially started thinking about writing it to mm -hmm. how I endured writing it <laughs> to the impact <laughs> that it, it's having has shifted a little bit. So initially, mm -hmm. four years ago, five years ago, when I started thinking about um, the church, mm -hmm. I said the church in the United States really needs to see how active and how mm -hmm. life-giving the church is. You know, the church was getting a mm -hmm. lot of bad press. You know, mm -hmm. the church is shrinking. You know, it's no longer relevant to young people. Um, mm -hmm. It's boring. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really need to go. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I can watch online at my leisure, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I was thinking, you know, that's not been my experience. So right. what I that's wanted good. to do was just say, hey, that's not been my experience where I've seen <laughs> churches alive and active is when right. they are identifying what God is doing and they're participating in that. So that's where I started. Let, let, let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about what's right with the church. So mm -hmm. then I'm in, I'm in the game, right? So then mm -hmm. I'm writing, I'm thinking, you know, we're collecting stories, mm -hmm. we're talking as a team. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, it was a very difficult period of time. And that mm -hmm. became the chassis of telling this story of the church is mm. my, uh, my father died. My wife got cancer, uh, hurricane Harvey wiped out our town. We had mm. economic challenges. 
and mm. and and so then I started uh, enduring uh, this writing process in the middle of what really became a dark night of my soul. Um, mm. When I was wow. younger, I was absolutely convinced that God was the master strategist inviting us into his work. And I experienced 30 years of miracles, mind blowing. God shows up and doing great stuff in my dark night, which is really, mm. you know, over a, a few years of the writing process, I began to doubt that, you know, mm. is God oh, the wow. master strategist? Is he right. showing up? Wow. Can I um, confidently move forward and lead an organization when things just don't feel good? And I'm not really hearing the Lord as clearly and the results mm. aren't there. So then it, it became, well, a discovery of the stories in my life and other people's life that sustained me through that dark night. Mm. And, and it shifted. The book <laughs> shifted to being a series of 12 reflections, mm -hmm. recalling God's faithfulness. And when, when things got really, really hard and, and, you know, the hard lift and the emotional lift, um, in my personal prayer time, what sustained me was just what I felt was a divine whisper. Mm -hmm. Tell people of my faithfulness. Tell mm, stories so of good. my faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, how often does God tell us through scriptures, remember, mm. remember the Savior of your youth. Remember the Lord that took you mm. out of Egypt. Remember. And as I remembered the stories while constructing this book, Mm -hmm. I began to see glimmers of hope mm -hmm. and I began to re-engage emotionally and mentally, um, spiritually with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I developed a rock solid certainty that God is, in fact, the master strategist calling mm -hmm. us to join him in what he is doing as he redeems and reconciles the world and it's a great adventure. <laughs> you can yes, find purpose and adventure. And so love it. that's where it concluded, where mm -hmm. um, along the way, we mm -hmm. talk about strategy. Along the way, right. we talk about uh, leadership. Along mm -hmm. the way, we talk about what God is doing through his church in Latin America, mm -hmm. in Africa, in South Asia, mm -hmm. in the United States. And my hope is that when people pick up the book and read it, that mm -hmm. uh, they will be uh, encouraged and they will have practical tools mm -hmm. to move through their dark night, uh, develop their strategy uh, and determine their uh, approach to missions. Mm -hmm. and, and so the book itself became a ministry. So it's... Um, all proceeds, you know, go mm -hmm. to the work of Living Water organizing oh, churches. Yeah, um, love it. And uh, it's found some, uh, it's found some connection to. Uh, yeah, I love pastors. it. Well, yeah, this to me, I think would be a great. Uh, well, two things, friends. If you're listening in and you've made it this far in, uh, you really should consider connecting with uh, Living Water International. Like they're. They're incredible people. They're doing great work. Uh, Mike and his team. Every time I interact with a different person at LWI, I'm always like, "These are amazing people." Like, and they, you know, love the Lord and they're 
they're smart and they're trying to make a difference and they're being good stewards they're thinking long term all that so yeah i would strongly endorse you should talk with them you know a practical next step could be hey this why don't you buy 10 of these books and read them as your as your staff team maybe it's like a one of those book study things you do uh you know in this this next year uh and it may not be that hey you and that your conclusion is well therefore we're going to like you say, give a piece of our kind of missions expression to that, but maybe it inspires you in some other way, which is wonderful. That's, that's great. I know Mike's a big enough guy, uh, doesn't, you know, he really is concerned about the big C church. And so, uh, that I think would be a great next step for you. Well, just kind of, as we're coming to land, as we're landing the plane, um, anything else you'd like to say, kind of final thoughts for folks as they're listening in? Well, the, the big thought I have is that, um, the church of Jesus Christ can end the water crisis mm, as amen. it pursues the great commission. Love that it. They're not separate. They're mm-hmm. integrated. They're integral. They're, they're the two sides of one coin that as the church comes together in a unified expression of love and action, a doubting world We'll see that unity, we'll see that love, we'll see that action, and millions will come to follow Jesus. And, you know, when we talk about the multiplier impact of water, sanitation, hygiene with and through the church, I see a multiple multiplier impact of working together and solving a solvable problem Mm -hmm. that is the most fundamental challenge facing the world today Mm -hmm. and in the future. And so (laughs) as we link arms, solving the water crisis, Mm -hmm. we will pursue the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And that's worth doing. That's a Mm -hmm. life worth spent. And so I just Mm -hmm. encourage people to consider that. Mm -hmm. And as Rich said, I am happy if you pursue your mission through microenterprise, through food, through justice, Mm -hmm. through... uh, um, trafficking it mm-hmm. as long as you're crossing a line that divides us and god mm-hmm. is inviting you into doing that mm-hmm. but if water seems mm-hmm. to be the thing that god is whispering in your ears let's mm-hmm. just link arms together let's do it mm-hmm. together because mm-hmm. i am convinced that we can solve this problem as we pursue the great commission mm-hmm. so good Mike Mantell, everybody. So good. Mike, where do we want to send people online uh, to connect with you or to connect with uh, Living Water International? Where do we want to make sure they uh, they, they head to? Water.cc. Water.cc. Um, <laughs> come online. All of our resources are there. They're open-handed, yep. public sourced. Whoever yeah. wants to utilize them are free to utilize them. Reach out Love to it. us on our church page. We'd mm-hmm. uh, be delighted to follow up with you to do something custom together, uh, to mm-hmm. link arms, uh, to grow in knowledge, expand our experience, invest for impact. If you know, you can buy this book on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't have any money, just email me and I'll send you one. <laughs> You know, it's, <laughs> okay. it's a, it's a ministry. Great. Love it. <laughs> yes. Love it. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. We obviously can get the book at Amazon, you know, anywhere else we want to send people online. I love that email. Find his, you're going to have to dig around on the, on the website, find, but you can find it, find his email address and, uh, and reach out, but anywhere else we want to send them to pick up copies of the book. You know, you could always go to thirstingforlivingwater.com. Okay. And- great. 
you know, uh, or michaeljmantel.com, either one of those. That'll give you all kinds of resources, um, all kinds of information as it relates to this book. But the easiest thing to do is just water.cc and um, you can find me. And like, I'm serious. If, if you don't have any money, you want to read this book, if God's putting something on your heart, I'd be delighted to send it to Love you. It. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate you being here today. Uh, you've just been just a blessing to us. I really appreciate you spending time. Thanks so much. Rich, thanks for everything you do. You are a good man. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.